About a decade ago, Bishop Paul Duffy, on the days that I was grinding out the long nights, the long drives to Candler School of Theology at Emory University, Bishop Paul Duffy would come into the office suite and he would square up, he would look me in the eye and he would place his hand on my shoulder and he would pat my shoulder and offer words like, you are called of God and don't ever take that for granted. And, and one day, um, Martha Lee, who was our administrative assistant at the time, Martha Lee said, Jay, you know why Bishop Duffy puts his hand on your shoulder and pats your shoulder, right? And I said, well, I think he kind of feels sorry for me. <laughs> and it's kind of like one of those southern, oh, bless his heart kind of things. To which Martha Lee said, no, no. He really is giving you his blessing. He's blessing you. So a few weeks before Bishop Duffy's health failed and he was unable to attend worship with us anymore, he squared up to me, he looked me in the eye, he put his hand on my shoulder, he patted me, and he gave me a book from his personal collection entitled The Joy of Ministry. And he said these words. He said, Jay, don't ever, don't ever lose your joy. And don't ever let the church lose her joy. Because joy is a gift. It's like grace. It's, it's undeserved, it, but it's always there, and we step into it. It's the way that we know of God's unconditional love for all people. Where there is love, there is joy, and there is hope, and there is peace, and there is Christ. So the gift of joy for the Christian is a gift to be unwrapped and to, well, enjoy. <laughs> because you know as well as I do, so many things are trying to steal our joy. Fear and grief and busyness and, and negativity. But joy is that which accompanies the Christian. So over the next four weeks, we're going to discuss ways that the gospel and the words of Jesus Christ tell us that through obedience and saying yes to Jesus, we find joy, a joy that is always available because every one of us need to take our next faithful step forward as Christians and as a church by loving our neighbors and by loving our community. Today's text reminds us that as our communion liturgy says, we are freed for joyful obedience in Jesus Christ. I invite you, as you are able, to stand for the reading of today's gospel lesson, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Listen for the word of the Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town, and place where he himself intended to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse and no bag, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say these words. Peace 
to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. And whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe it off in protest against you. But know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And Jesus said, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, don't, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So there was a new minister, a friend of mine, who stood at the door on his very first Sunday, like we'll do just a minute and we'll greet each other back here at the door, you know. And he had spent hours and hours and hours reading the text that he was going to preach and the commentaries, and he had talked to people about his text, and, and he preached his guts out on the very first Sunday that he was there. Most people were very generous, telling the new minister how much they liked his message, except for this, this one man. And the one man came through and he said, that was such a dull and boring sermon, Pastor. And a few minutes later, the same man had looped back through the, the visitation line there, the greeting line, and he said, I don't think you prepared very well at all, preacher. Well, then a third time, one more time, the man appeared, and this time he was kind of muttering. He said, you really blew it. You didn't have a whole lot to say, did you, preacher? Well, at this point, the preacher calls over the usher and says, hey, I, you know what, I keep getting all these nice comments, and this one guy, he just keeps coming through, and Usher said, oh, don't worry. Don't let that guy bother you. He's harmless. All he does is go around and repeat what everybody else is saying anyway. <laughs> hey, church, we're going to have fun worshiping God together. And I'm reminded of something this morning that Reinhold Niebuhr said, that laughter is the beginning of prayer. Laughter is a form of worship. Like our music, like our liturgy, like everything that you've heard this morning, laughter is a form of prayer, and laughter signals a deep and profound joy. And so I return to you today with joy, rejoicing that our stories are being woven back together by God's grace and under God's guidance for a time such as this. Susan and I have been extremely humbled by your, your signs of love, your expressions of care, your text message, your, your social media messages, your calls, your emails. Thank you so much for the ways that you have reached out to us with warmth and with love. Most, most of you, I'd say 99.999% of you have said something like this. Jay, welcome home. We're so glad that you're coming back. 
but we're really glad Susan's coming back. Right, right, right. Noted. Got it. Got it. Thank you for your hospitality and your warmth. I also, I want to echo something that uh, Dr. Stegall said, and that is my great appreciation for Dr. Jeremy Pridgen and the ways that he has led this congregation during his time here. here. He is a leader in our conference and in our denomination. He is one for whom I have the utmost appreciation. Jeremy Pridgen helped me discern my call into ministry many years ago. And he and his wife, Abigail, are dear friends to Susan and to me. We love them very, very, very much. And I know that his skills for leadership will be well received in Panama City as they all heal and move forward together as a community. So I'm asking you to do something. Dr. Stegall mentioned it. I want you to join Susan and me in praying for Jeremy and for Panama City and ways that we might partner with them as, as they continue to move forward after the hurricane, but also all of our pastors who are preaching their very first sermon and their new appointment right now. Jesus believed that ministry was only feasible as a team. So right out of the gate, he picked 12 teammates. Today's text tells us that it didn't take long before that team that began to grow during this travel ministry. I also believe that ministry is a team effort and that teamwork makes the dream work. And so already I have been blessed by the teamwork of of this clergy staff, Jillian Walters is always, always a voice of wisdom and grace in my life, and I am so excited that we get to serve together. Lucas Tribble, I look up to him, <laughs> and his zeal and energy, as you know already, is contagious. I could spend the rest of my time here saying something about Ben McDavid who is a rock, who is an anchor, who no matter how the storms of life battle and rage against any of us, Ben is there, and I love him for that. I've enjoyed getting to know Charlie Kendall and his heart for community service and ministry and the ways that grace and community are intersecting in wonderful conversations with Charlie's leadership. And as many of you know, the, the thoughtfulness, the soulfulness of Dr. Jason Borders, our theologian and in residence, it's formed so many of our minds and our, our souls for an authentic Christian experience. And last but not least, Dr. Stegall, my hero, one without whom none of this would be possible, one whom I called and said, Dr. Stegall, I think God is calling me into ministry, and I don't know how to feel or what to do about that. He said, we're going to take care of you. Let not your heart be troubled. Long since my time at seminary, Dr. Stegall has taken time nearly every week to check on my, my family and me. A lot of times that included bacon and coffee at the Waffle House. And sometimes he would send me the most random sports facts or stories from Baymanette or Baldwin County. Like, how does he... He's the Archbishop of Athletics. You know that, right? <laughs> but his calls and, and his texts and his emails and his... He's my hero. And in this very moment, he's trying to kick my heels to tell me to stop talking and let Susan sing. I get that. <laughs> but this is our clergy team for whom I am grateful and give God thanks. 
and with whom I will lock arms with you. And we will serve this community together, and we will share friendship, and we will share life together. Over the next uh, few weeks, you're going to see, you're going to begin seeing and hearing some staff spotlights. There's too many staff spot people for me to mention right now, but we're going to start spotlighting, spotlighting the ways that our staff are doing tremendous work to give us all the opportunity to love God with our minds and our souls and our hearts and, and our strength and to connect with Christ through worship and study and, and with service and be on the lookout for those. Right now, I can't tell you how proud I am to serve in ministry with this amazing staff. Uh, James and Josh and choir, you are the very best at what you do. And we would probably be paying a, a very large ticket price to experience this kind of, of music anywhere else. Amen? But, but they give freely of their talents because they love Jesus Christ and they love this church that much. So thank you. So I'm asking you, congregation, to pray for our clergy team and to pray for our staff and our worship leaders, to write them letters of thanks, write them letters of encouragement. They are a joy to serve with every day. I've been thinking a lot about uh, these 70 disciples that we hear about in Luke's gospel and how Jesus, he never really promises that ministry will be easy that sometimes we'll be struck at by snakes and sometimes we'll be stung by scorpions. Sometimes we'll be rejected for the message that we bear. It might be that we encounter people who think differently from us or that we build our own walls around ourselves to keep other people out who don't think like us. But Jesus sends everyday people into ministry everyday people who love the kingdom. And he tells them to heal the sick, whatever is ailing the community, and to raise the dead, whatever has died in the community, raise it to life. We're people of, of resurrection. And to cast out demons wherever those demons are. And to do it without any accoutrements, right? Don't take anything with you except somebody else and the good news of Jesus Christ. Ministry is hard. It's hard work. But if we say yes to Jesus and yes to seeing everyday life as our mission field, then what we will find is, one, we never go at it alone. Two, God is already ahead of us. And three, if we will say yes and be obedient, we will find the gift of joy. Because I believe that true life in Christ and in the church should always be accompanied by joy. Joy is how we know that God is blessing us, giving us that pat on the shoulder, as Bishop Duffy would do, with that twinkle in his eye, you know what I'm talking about? Joy is God's way of saying, I am blessing this. Joy involves each of us giving ourselves to something greater than ourselves. Joy and joyful obedience, they lead to the purest form of freedom that this world can know, and that is freedom in Christ. True freedom comes through sacrificing ourselves for something bigger than ourselves, for someone else. So there's a story that emerged a few centuries ago about a farmer, 
And he knocked really hard on a monastery door. And when the monk opened the door, the monk was tending the gate there. He's all by himself. And he opened the door. And the farmer gave this monk the most beautiful, luscious bunch of grapes that the farmer had ever harvested from his vineyard. And he said, I came to bear these as a gift to you, brother. Well, oh, thank you, said the monk. I'll take them directly to the abbot, and he'll be so delighted at this, this offering. No, 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 no. I brought them for you. For whenever it is that I knock, you're the one who opens the door. And that one time when the crop was bad and, and there was a great drought, you opened the door and you fed me and you gave me something to drink. Well, the monk, the monk held on to the grapes and spent the entire next morning admiring those grapes and, and what to do with those grapes And the monk decided to deliver them to the abbot after all because the abbot had given this monk such wonderful words of encouragement and and wisdom. And the abbot received those those words and was pleased with them. But he remembered that there was a, a sick brother in the monastery. And he says, who knows, if I share these grapes with the sick brother in the in the monastery, maybe it'll bring a little joy and a little bit of happiness to his life. And that's what he did, but the grapes didn't stay with the sick monk for very long. I I think they cleaned them off first. And then they went on from there to the cook because the man who was sick said, this cook has been taking care of me for so long, feeding me the best meals during my illness, and I'm sure that he would enjoy those. Well, the cook was amazed with these grapes as they continued to make their way around, and they were so perfect that he wanted to share these grapes with the sexton. Many at the monastery uh, heralded him as a very holy man, and he would be qualified to marvel at the nature of these grapes. But the sexton in turn gave the grapes as a gift to the youngest novice, one to whom he could teach how God creates such marvelous details in the smallest of things, such as a grape. Well, when that novice received them, he remembered the very first time that that he came to the monastery, and he remembered that monk who had greeted him and opened the door for him and welcomed him in to the community of people and opened his eyes to the value and to the wonder of of life. And so just before nightfall, he took the grapes to the monk who guarded the gate, and he said, eat and enjoy these. You spend most of your time alone, but we hope these grapes will bring you joy, just like you have brought us by receiving us and so many into the fold. So my, my plan, friends is to begin life together with joy. And to understand joy, like understanding peace, you have to be ready to share joy or to share peace, to share something that's bigger than than any one of us. Joy leads to generosity, and generosity leads to joy. Our membership vows are so important here. Dr. Stegall mentioned them earlier. We say, will you be loyal to this congregation with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. One, one reason we say that is because we need accountability. I need your help holding me accountable to my prayers, my presence, my gifts, my service, and my witness, and I'll do the same for you because ministry happens together as a church team, a family. Those of us who are bound together by the waters of baptism. But we also believe that if we are obedient to these vows that we take, There will be joy. Jesus built teams beginning with the 12, and then he paired them up two by two, and there were 35 pairs, if my math is right, there were 35 pairs of missionaries sent out 
That was the worst mission trip ever. They were told not to take anything with them, right? We put all this planning and all this into it, right? But they had one mission, one goal, one purpose, one direction, and that is to spread the good news and the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ. People ask me all the time, how, how can I find my purpose in life? And without fail, my response is, say yes to Jesus. It's that simple. You want to know what your purpose is? Say yes to Jesus. Participate in the local church, the body of Christ, and joy will flood your soul. I promise it will. Life with Jesus, friends, it's about receiving and sending. Actually, the whole biblical narrative is like that. It's about receiving and being called and being formed and being shaped and then, and then being, being sent out. It's the story of, of us. We're blessed to bless others. We gather in this place called worship every single week. But church is what happens between Sundays as we deploy and go out into the world. And so each week we're filled up, wherever the holes are, wherever we're broken, we're filled up and we're put back together so we can go back out in the community and pour ourselves out one more time. And then we come back and we gather and we go out. Receiving and sending is how the body of Christ breathes. It's how we breathe. We receive by grace and then we share that grace as we deploy and we give it away. Some have asked the question, why would Jesus send his lambs out among wolves, the people he loves? Why would he send them into that kind of situation? One of the ways I answer that question is very simple. Because if if not us, then who? If the church doesn't feed and clothe and visit and welcome, then who will? If we do not deploy into the community that Jesus so dearly loves, then who will? If we don't prepare the way for Jesus' arrival and reject evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves, if, if not us, who? And if our hearts don't break for the things in our community that break God's hearts, then whose hearts will break? I can only imagine how nervous these disciples must have been. This was something brand new. They weren't being sent to synagogues. They weren't being sent to somewhere that was really all that familiar. They were being sent to to homes out in communities who would reject them and do all kinds of weird things. So this was brand new. They were sent into the streets and door to door. I, I can only imagine that they probably had just, these 70, they probably just received their their warm visitor's apple pie. You think that's the case? Like they had probably just got the church's number programmed into their phone and maybe just, they probably just found their name tag. I bet that's right. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, go. Go into a place that's going to be hard, where people will be sick, where people will be broken, where people will be vulnerable, but go. It's important to remember that it's the same Jesus that sends who just a few verses prior to this text calmed a deadly storm. He raised a little girl to life. He exercised a legion of demons, and he fed thousands of people with a little bit of food. In other words, before Jesus sends us out each week and each day, he collects all of our fear, and he holds it. 
And he sits with us in all of our anxiety as long as we need to sit there together. And he tackles all of the challenges with us, and he calms whatever storms batter us. And to all of this, and to all of these, he says time and again, peace. Peace to this house. Do you hear that? I come bringing peace, the peace of Jesus Christ to you. Because wherever there is peace, there is joy. I don't know a whole lot, but here's what I do know. I know that Jesus never calls or sends out disciples in whom he does not have great confidence. That Jesus believed in his followers then and he believes in his followers now. And I believe in us. I believe in First United Methodist Church in Montgomery because I don't know of another church that has the heart, the willingness, the talent, the resources to make a difference for Jesus Christ like this one does. I believe in our staff the team that will help us achieve that mission. I believe in our clergy team, where we can be spiritual leaders to this church, but also to this community. I believe that Montgomery, Alabama is a place that can give birth to something that will change the world once again. I believe in our understanding of grace as Methodists, because if it can make room for me, it can make room for anyone. And there is always room at this table. And there is always ministry to be done by whomever is willing. So I believe in us, and I believe in our stories. I believe in your talent. I believe in your hands and your feet and your voices. I believe in this church, and I will give everything that I have to guide her and to defend her and to protect her and to challenge her and to love her with my whole heart. And when we say yes to Jesus and yes to the local church, there is joy. There's joy on this great journey in which we are embarking, and it makes me want to sing. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Y'all know that song? Y'all know that song. I have joy because Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. I believe that. And I believe that that is cause for a great celebration, that a feast is in order. And what I know about this meal is that it, it doesn't belong to First United Methodist Church or the United Methodist Church. This is the table of the Lord, because all who are daring enough to take up and follow Jesus out into the world are going to need nourishment. So as you come forward today, be filled, be made whole, find joy. There's plenty, there's plenty for everyone, and there's room for everyone, and there will always be enough for everyone because you, you are enough for God just, just as you are. So fuel up on Christ's grace because this journey begins right now.